I confess, the first time I almost had sex, I fell out of a bed while trying to take my pants off. I was so embarrassed, I made up an excuse and ran out. Oh, yeah. Sex. Almost everybody does it, and almost nobody talks about it, except at Bedpost Confessions, a live storytelling series based in Austin, Texas. Whether the performers are funny, informative, political, or completely personal, the anonymous confessions from the audience are the stars of every show. Stories heard at Bedpost Confessions explore themes of sexuality, gender identity, dating, marriage, masturbation, breakups, health and wellness, and more. Whether the story is hysterical or downright emotionally raw, we hope Bedpost Confessions will either spark a fantasy or start a conversation. Maybe even both. You know when you're playing those warm-up games, those get-to-know-you icebreakers, and they make everyone share a little-known fact about themselves? Well, I always have one just right up my sleeve. I had consensual sex with a man before I ever kissed anyone of any gender. Now, I don't often find myself in circles where I can actually share that information, so I typically go with my old standby, as a child I was once attacked by a zebra. (laughs) Another story, another time. I hadn't kissed anyone because, well, obviously, I wanted to kiss boys. But I couldn't do that. And even as hard as I worked to play straight, I, I couldn't kiss a girl at the time. At 15 years old, I was a bundle of horny, horny nerves with absolutely no outlet that didn't leave me feeling heaping amounts of shame. Enter Mitchell. Mitchell drove me nuts as a kid. We grew up in this incredibly rural, incredibly conservative part of Texas, and Mitchell he stood out. I don't know how else to say this other than he was gayer than me. (laughs) And we immediately hated each other in that special way that only gay men can really hate each other. (laughs) I think we each knew that we had to because if we were friends, well, that's just a bigger target for the kids who, who had made both of our lives a living hell. Better for me to stand over here and be a little less gay than you than for us to stand right next to each other. Plus, we were both in the closet, so we had zero motivation to be brave here. When I made the decision to move in with my father, who lived two hours away in a much larger city, Mitchell immediately invited me over to spend the night. And I immediately said yes. After all, we could abandon the pretense now. I wasn't going to be going to the same school as him anymore. Things started innocently enough, talking, looking at things on the internet. But once his mother and father told us goodnight, things progressed rather quickly. The words fell out of his mouth in a big closeted pile onto the floor. Well, uh, you know, like, I've, I've heard some of the other guys have, you know, like, fooled around with each other. But they aren't like, you know, they're just, they're, they're not getting any from the girls. And so it's just, it's like an arrangement. I take care of you and you take care of me. And I said, oh, like, oh man, it'd be so gross to like go down on a dude. But like, if someone's going to return the favor, then it just makes good sense. And he said, yeah. And I said, yeah. 
And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, so how do we start? So we decided that getting naked was probably a good first step. And we just looked at each other for a long time. And we occasionally just burst out laughing. And then we thought we should probably take, take, take things to the next step. So we were going to take turns touching each other. So we did. Both of our hearts are just beating out of our chests and we're trying so hard to pretend like we haven't been waiting to touch a dick from the moment we first saw one that wasn't our own. (laughs) Once this had played itself out, we both agreed it was time to take the next step. I volunteered and Mitchell laid down on his back and there I was, hovering over Mitchell Dameron's erect penis. And so I just grabbed a hold of the thing and I said, well, here's to new experiences. And uh, let's just say it's 15 years later and I still haven't gotten any complaints. I spent so much of the rest of that summer in his bedroom. We would go on and on for four, five, six hours, still fooling around when his parents were waking up. Just the thought of it now wears me out. But then it was unbelievable. Like walking into a room you were always meant to be in and were desperately searching for, but never knew how to find the door. It wasn't without its bumpy moments. His mom caught us skinny dipping in the pool. He gave me blue balls, which was an incredibly traumatic experience for two 15-year-old boys who knew nothing about such things and an internet connection as slow as molasses. There's nothing like typing, why do my balls hurt so bad into Ask Jeeves and just waiting for the response page to load. And then there was the time that we finally had anal sex. By this time, I was living with my father, but still seeing Mitchell as often as I could. It was Thanksgiving night of 2002, uh, and we were both ready. We decided that I would be the top first, he the bottom. After negotiating different options for positions, we settled on what I believe would be called cowgirl, me laying on my back, uh, he astride my midsection facing toward me. Then he leaned down and whispered in my ear, well, here's to new experiences. And he sat back down onto me. That's when we discovered the need for what we didn't realize at the time was lube. But the Jergens hand lotion we had often deployed for other purposes did the trick. I do not suggest trying that at home. Mitchell loved it. He loved it a lot. So much so that when I was finished, he didn't seem to notice. Mitchell, Mitchell. I smacked him on the chest and he snapped out of it and looked down at me and said, what? I said, I came. And he paused for a moment and then he looked down at me and he said, in my ass? And I said, well, what did you think was going to (laughs) happen? And then we both started laughing, and he fell off of me and onto the bed. But my laughs quickly dimmed, and I turned away from him. Something in me 
buckled. I felt this difference. And that sounds so cheesy, and I don't mean it in a I was a man now sort of way, but more I couldn't fool myself into believing other boys our age were doing that all the time, even though they were straight. That was involved. That was specific. And so in a truly lifetime original movie moment, I ran to his bathroom, I turned on the hot water as hot as I could stand it, and I got in the shower and I scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed while I cried and cried and cried. Mitchell sat right outside the door to the shower on the floor, saying my name every few minutes and not getting any responses. After a long time, I came out and we said nothing to each other. And I curled up on the small futon in his bedroom and he got in his bed and we went to sleep. Despite my full-size breakdown, I was able to build my little wall right back up. Remember, at this point, we still hadn't kissed each other. Not even once. We hadn't even come close. So our arrangement was intact. We hadn't broken the rules. We fucked, sure, but we hadn't been romantic. We hadn't kissed. We weren't gay. Our super special, totally straight friendship continued on into the new year. We both turned 16. We even kept fucking despite the problematic first attempt. And then it all fell apart. On a visit to my mom, I was at a large family gathering. The earliest text messages I remember receiving in my life were from Mitchell, begging me to come over that night. I fought and fought with my mom about it until she caved and took me to his house. It was a cold, silent car ride. And I knew that she knew. And she knew that I knew that she knew. It was the most devastating silence I had ever experienced. And when she dropped me off at Mitchell's place, she drove away without making sure that I had made it inside. And I immediately started sobbing. Mitchell's mom found me at the front door and she just hugged me, took my hand, led me through the house, opened the door to Mitchell's room, deposited me inside, and then shut the door behind her without ever saying a word. Mitchell was on his feet immediately and moved to wrap his arms around me, but I pushed him away and sat on his bed and started an angry and tearful rant. I don't remember exactly what I said, but the gist was this. We were lying to ourselves. We weren't straight. We were gay. And he considered it for a minute, and then he said, okay, then I'm gay. So what? So I explained to him between sobs that we were liars that we had deceived our families and that we were disgusting. I told him that all we were doing was proving all of those assholes who had treated us so terribly right. I told him that we had to stop, that we couldn't see each other. He told me that none of it mattered, that we could be together. And I told him that we couldn't, that we can't. He put a cautious hand on my back and I just cried harder and kept repeating, we just can't do this. We just can't do this. We just can't do this. And he reached down and pulled my face out of my hands and looked me dead in the eyes and said, but see, the thing is, to me, 
it kind of seems like we already are. And then he kissed me for the first time. It was perfect. It is the most perfect, the most sweet memory I have. It's the memory I would relive if I had the option. In absolutely the cheesiest way possible, it was the moment I knew. I knew so many things. And I could see a life for myself and something worth being brave for. It was a kiss that meant it was all worth it. That I wouldn't live to regret this. We became a couple. I remember sitting in my dad's truck outside the house at midnight, discussing whether or not it was time for us to start saying I love you to each other. We agreed it was, but I couldn't say it first. So he did, and then he said, okay, okay, it's your turn now. And, and I closed my eyes and I forced the words out of my mouth. And then we laughed. And then we just kept saying it over the phone and in text messages. He would sneak out and drive the two hours to see me. We had sex everywhere. <laughs> Only now we made out more than we did anything else. Kissing was our thing now. We were really good at kissing. But when the time came for us to start being open about ourselves and our relationship, I just wasn't ready. I tried to be, and it was disastrous. And so I would break up with him, and then we would get back together, and then I'd break up with him. Even after we were both out of the closet and people knew we had this on-again, off-again relationship, I continued to break his heart over and over and over again for three years until I broke it for good. We both went off to our respective colleges, and I refused to entertain the notion of long distance. He begged, told me how much he loved me, how long he'd loved me. Mutual friends tried to get me to see reason. Couldn't I tell how in love with me he was? But I was done. I was ready to move on. And then I promptly didn't speak to him again for a year or two. Then he dropped out of college. He moved to New York. He disappeared. None of us knew where he was or had any contact with him. We made a special group online. We all tried contacting people and chasing down leads for months. Then he showed up in a hospital where he stayed for five months while his family wouldn't tell us what was wrong except to say he was improving. And then quite suddenly, he died in the summer of 2008, before my senior year of college. I think I always thought he would be there. I think I saw it as a loose end I would eventually tie up. Not that we'd be together necessarily, but that we'd at least be on good terms. I'd at least show him that I did care. And now he was just dead just fucking dead, suddenly, like, bam. I didn't know if I should tell this part. I thought, hey, just ended the kiss. That's a truth? That's an exploration of the lines of sex and intimacy? This is a happy moment. This is Pride Weekend. This is a fun evening. But I couldn't quite sign up for that this time. 
Though he has certainly been a presence in my life for the last eight years since his death, he's so much more present this year. I think it's because I finally feel ready to not be single. Oh, I've dated in the last 10 years, but every time I bolt. And now I really want that relationship. And I think I'm turning 30 in five months. And the only boy who's ever told me he loved me has been dead for eight years. What does that mean? I was so incredibly ready to become a sexual being. But intimacy, that took a bit longer. Mitchell had both of those things and more. He had the sex and he had the intimacy and he loved someone in a grand, fabulous way and he had his heart broken. I'm far enough away now to say that while I'm so angry and I'm so sorry that I treated him so badly, I am also so happy that he got to have those things, have all of those things before he died, before his life ended too soon at 21. And me? Well, I'm ready, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it coming. It took me 29 years to feel like I was ready to trust someone and give them the love that I have. And I did that on my own, on my own time. But it was Mitchell Wayne Dameron who taught me at a very early age that I was someone that a person could be attracted to, a person someone could love, and a person someone could be in love with. Starting with that very first very perfect kiss. And for that, I'm amazingly grateful. And I'm ready for a new experience. Bedpost Confessions is produced by Julie Gillis, Mia Martina, and Sadie Smythe. Audio production is by Ian Danskin. You don't have to attend a show to confess. With our confession scroller, you can confess with us anytime on our site at bedpostconfessions.com. Also pick up a copy of our anthology, Bedpost Confessions, Real Sex, Real People, Real Stories, which features 35 stories and hundreds of audience confessions. Bedpost Confessions, the anthology, found on Amazon in print and ebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and if you have a sec, please help bring Bedpost Confessions to more people by rating the podcast. You know how it works. More ratings and reviews equals higher podcast ranking equals more confessions. Thanks for your support, and until next time, we will leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess my sister and I, terrible to start one like that, and it says... Parens, terrible way to start one of these cards and parens. Um, both lost our virginities on national holidays, Thanksgiving and July 4th. <laughs> I confess I have a history of wooden spoons being broken by my butt because spanking is the best. And I have a high pain tolerance.